Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Hi there, good Tuesday morning. We're learning more about that drone strike on U.S. forces in the Middle East. And the White House facing new pressure to respond. It's January the 30th. This is today. Waiting game. The Biden administration weighing its next steps after that deadly attack in Jordan, blamed on Iran-backed militants. We will take all necessary actions to defend the U.S. and our troops. The three Americans who were killed now identified their grieving families speaking out. A ray of sunshine for anyone that came in contact with her. We'll have the very latest. Border battle, tensions rising in Washington, a potential bipartisan deal to enforce tougher security now in jeopardy. While House Republicans move forward with an historic push to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security. A live report from Capitol Hill straight ahead. Denied, a judge declines convicted killer Alec Murdoch's request for a new trial, despite a juror saying her decision was influenced by the clerk. To me, it felt like she made it seem like he was already guilty. Inside the ruling and what's next in the high profile case. Breaking overnight, Elon Musk announces his Neuralink company has implanted a wireless brain chip in a human for the very first time. Something that could let people control their devices by just thinking what Musk is saying about the milestone and how that patient is doing. All that plus, believe the hype, 12 days and counting to the Super Bowl. Fans of football and Taylor Swift rushing to make their plans to be in Las Vegas. This morning, why it could be the most expensive football game ever. And medal moment. The U.S. figure skating team finally set to receive gold for their historic performance at the Beijing Olympics. Their delayed joy two years in the making. Today, Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Today. Thanks for joining us. It's not even the Olympics, and we're getting a gold. The United States getting uh, one. Better late than mm-hmm. never. Gold will still look great on them two years later. The figure skating team just learned they will receive the gold medal after all. Yeah, and they were actually on the show a while ago, and I asked them, when you get your gold, will you come back here? Because you deserve a victory lap. Yes. There was some doping allegations with the Russians. So anyway, the U.S. moves up to the top slot. Congratulations. All right, our first gold medal of 2024. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's get to our top story this morning, the latest on that drone strike in Jordan and the U.S. vows to retaliate. The Pentagon has now released the names of the victims. Here they are. 46-year-old Sergeant William Jerome Rivers, 24-year-old Specialist Kennedy Ladon Sanders, and 23-year-old Specialist Brianna Alexandria Moffat. They were killed while they were sleeping when a drone packed with explosives struck near their barracks. 
President Biden discussing the next steps during a meeting with members of his national security team yesterday. We're also hearing from Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who stressed that despite this escalation, the U.S. does not seek war with Iran, but will respond. NBC's chief international correspondent, Keir Simmons, is in Iraq this morning near the Iranian border. Keir, good morning. Savannah, good morning to you. Local media here say Iranian-backed militia along the Iraq-Syria border are evacuating installations in anticipation of a possible U.S. strike. Secretary Blinken not saying when such a strike might come, but indicating that it might be multi-level, come in stages and sustained over time, as well as saying he believes the situation in this region is the most dangerous it's been for decades. This morning, questions over how a drone laden with explosives evaded defences on this American base in Jordan and what the US response should be. The family of 23-year-old specialist Brianna Alexandria Moffitt from Georgia, one of three killed on the base known as Tower 22, speaking to NBC News. We will like to know what happened and how, how could this happen? It's the first time American servicemen and women have been killed by what the U.S. says was an Iranian-backed militia since the war in Gaza began. Despite waves of attacks, Iran insists it did not direct the drone attack, but it appeared to be relatively sophisticated, flying low, possibly tricking the base's defences by flying in at the same time as an American drone, according to Pentagon officials. The service members' families now grieving. If we know what we know now, we would have just said, I love you so much. Just make sure that she knew that she wasn't alone. And that we, we love her. Yes. 46-year-old Sergeant William Jerome Rivers was from New Jersey. And Specialist Kennedy LeDon Sanders, who was 24, was from Georgia. He's always very liked by everyone. Um, she's a dedicated friend, teammate. She was just well-liked and a very joyful, bright personality. The president vowing a response. The U.S. could decide to strike Iranian-linked groups or commanders in the region or send a stronger message with a strike on Iran itself. The Biden administration under pressure. Stuart, I think it's important to go after Iran, and it's because they're behind... Uh, all of these attacks. Amid calls to avoid an escalation that might pull the U.S. into a wider war. We do not seek war with Iran, but we have and we will continue to defend our personnel. Well, Kier, the U.S. has been fighting these Iranian proxies in the regions for months and the, the hits just keep coming. So how different might this response look like? Yeah. Well, Hoda, that's a great question. There are no easy options. Remember, the U.S. has responded against Iranian-backed militia in Iraq and Syria with, with eight airstrikes uh, since October, a similar amount against, against Houthi rebels uh, in Yemen. Nothing has seemed uh, to work. Now, analysts are talking about potentially strikes against Iran that could include weapons production facilities, naval assets, possibly intelligence systems. The question the Biden administration is trying to weigh up right now, can you escalate against Iran in order to de-escalate the situation? And how do you avoid that slipping into some kind of a full-scale scale war? We're not close to that yet. But that is what many are worrying about, Hoda. Yeah, indeed. All right, Keir Simmons for us there in Iraq. Keir, thank you.
Also this morning, the battle over the southern border is escalating. House Republicans pushing ahead with an effort to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security, but threatening to tank a potential deal on border security struck by a bipartisan group of lawmakers. NBC's Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Nobles joins us with the latest on this. Ryan, good morning. Savannah, good morning. And later this morning, Republicans will take the first step towards something Congress hasn't done in more than 150 years impeaching a sitting cabinet secretary. It all comes just as bipartisan negotiators are set to release the legislation aimed at calming the border crisis. It is a building problem more than 1,700 miles away from the U.S. Capitol. Migrants entering the United States at a record clip, leading to overworked border guards, a system at a breaking point, and human lives in the balance. In Eagle Pass, Texas, a young migrant girl attempting to cross into the United States through the Rio Grande River, caught in the current and forced to be rescued. Back on Capitol Hill, Republicans are putting the blame squarely on the Biden administration. Joe Biden has turned every community into a border community with his failed policies. So much so that today they'll move articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, accusing him of willful and systemic refusal to comply with the law and a breach of the public trust. Democrats argue this move is nothing more than a political stunt. The House Republicans have clearly turned their ever-shrinking majority over to the extremists. And this sham impeachment of Secretary Mayorkas is just another sad example. It comes as a bipartisan group of senators are working to hash out a deal to give President Biden more authority to regulate border crossings. This after a record number of migrants came into the country in December. More than 370,000 overall, with nearly a quarter million illegal crossings at the southern border alone. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. But while Republicans have been pushing for changes, their de facto party leader, Donald Trump, is undermining the negotiations before the bill is even released. Please blame it on me, please, because they were getting ready to pass a very bad bill leading to another partisan immigration showdown in Washington, while the crisis at the border continues to escalate. And this morning, Secretary Mayorkas is responding directly to the push to impeach him in a seven-page letter to the committee. He calls the charges against him baseless and false. Savannah. All right. So that goes ahead. House Republicans trying to impeach this, the, the secretary. But let's talk about this deal, because the Senate's really close to getting a bipartisan deal on immigration. But those same House Republicans are saying, no, it's dead on arrival. Trump doesn't like it. Trump says, blame me. This is politics. Explain mm-hmm. it. Yeah, there's no doubt that even if it passes the Senate, it's an uncertain future, to say the least, in the House. And that's because Speaker Mike Johnson has argued that aspects of the bill that have been released really don't go far enough, in his view, to tackle the problem. He's even called the deal dead on arrival last week. But, Savannah, you're so right. There's a huge aspect involving the former President Donald Trump. House Republicans seem to respond to President Trump's pressure in a very big way. So that makes it face an increasingly difficult path, especially because Trump said that he's going to fight this deal all the way. 
primarily because he sees it as a winning issue during the election at a time when recent polls show that immigration is among the top issue for voters, particularly his base Republican supporters. Savannah? Ryan Nobles on Capitol Hill. Thank you, Ryan. Now to new developments in the push to secure the release of the remaining hostages in Gaza. While the U.S. attempts to broker a deal, today families of Americans still being held are traveling to the White House. NBC's Matt Bradley's in Tel Aviv with more on this. Hey, Matt, good morning. Good morning, guys. Israeli officials are urging caution around this deal, but hostages' families are hoping it could be a breakthrough. Uh, Hamas said this morning they've received the offer. Today, a deal to free the remaining hostages in Gaza coming into focus. Representatives from Israel, Egypt, the U.S., and Qatar reached a unified position yesterday to free more than 100 hostages, six of them Americans. A draft has been given to Hamas. The deal would impose a 60-day temporary truce in the Gaza Strip, while Hamas would release one Israeli hostage in exchange for every three Palestinian prisoners, according to people with knowledge of the discussions. And it would allow more humanitarian aid into Gaza. Hostage families worry their relatives won't survive long enough to see freedom. Every day that it's passing by, passing by, it's, it's, it's dangerous for them. It comes as the war continues to spread. This morning, dramatic video from the West Bank, where Israel says it raided a hospital to take out a Hamas terror cell. Three Palestinians were killed. Meanwhile, controversy deepens around UNRWA, the main UN agency in Gaza. At least 14 countries have halted funding after Israel accused 12 of its Gazan employees of taking part in or aiding Hamas's October 7 terror attacks. Two Israeli intelligence dossiers reviewed by NBC News accusing some staff of kidnapping hostages and procuring weapons for Hamas. Israel now saying 10% of the agency's staff belong to Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad. NBC has not confirmed the allegations. Without financing, UNRWA says it may need to stop providing services to Palestinians across the Middle East as soon as next month. I do think it's important to remember that UNRWA does important work, and we shouldn't impugn uh, the good work of a whole agency uh, because of, uh, of the terrible, just terrible allegations. Certainly not, but does that create a trust issue and a credibility issue there? Well, it, it could very well, depending on what the investigation finds. A spokesman for Israel's government is hosting a press conference this afternoon to lay out the accusations against UNRWA in more detail. Hoda? All right, Matt, thank you so much. We appreciate it. All right, much more to get to. What a story, Craig, you bring us mm -hmm. this morning. Yeah, the future may be here. Savannah, Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. We're following what could be an exciting breakthrough in the worlds of medicine and technology. Elon Musk announcing the first human has received an implant from his brain chip company. NBC's Emily Akeda is here with uh, the story. Emily, good morning. Well, Craig, you said it. This procedure feels very futuristic and was no small feat, using a robot to surgically place a computer chip into a human brain. Elon Musk calling his company's product telepathy. Successfully implanted in a human, according to Elon Musk. The tech titan sharing a big breakthrough from his brain science startup company, Neuralink, saying it has implanted a device in a human for the first time, a possible step toward a product that Musk says enables control of your phone or computer and through them almost any device just by thinking. 
Musk posting Monday, the first human received an implant from Neuralink yesterday and is recovering well. The initial results, he added, showed promising neuron spike detection. But Musk gave no additional details about the procedure, the patient, or the device the company implanted. Musk writing, initial users will be those who have lost the use of their limbs, discussing his vision for Neuralink back in 2019. This, um, I think, has a very good purpose, uh, which is to cure important diseases. Um, and ultimately to help secure humanity's uh, future as a civilization. For decades, scientists have worked on similar ideas for brain-computer interfaces. But for many, a microchip in the brain feels like something out of a movie. Like 2015's Kingsman The Secret Service, where Samuel L. Jackson plays an eccentric billionaire who tries to control the world using neural implants. As science fiction gets closer to reality, Musk is hoping a groundbreaking experimental device can help transform everyday lives. As for Neuralink's future, it's important to note the clinical trial is just one step on the startup's path towards commercialization, and testing will still take about six years to complete. Several companies have tested brain implants on humans, driving questions and concerns around safety, regulation, and where this technology could go. We've reached out to Neuralink for more information on the procedure, but have not heard back. So many questions. Yeah. So many questions. Just the beginning. Emily, thank you. Thanks, Em. All right. Let's turn to Mr. Roker. He's got a check of the forecast. Hello. Oh, hold on. That's your I've got a fax coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Saw it coming. Saw it coming. All right. I'm sorry. I just had to. Uh, We've got flood watches and winter storm watches up for 11 million people out west. We've got a lot of rough weather coming for our friends. This atmospheric river is going to just get started as this low pressure works its way in. A pineapple express, all this atmospheric river coming in from Hawaii into California. They rate them from one to five. Uh, This is an atmospheric river, and we're looking for anywhere from a two to a four along from the Pacific Northwest coast all the way down into Los Angeles. So we're going to be watching this very closely, anywhere from three to four inches of rain, but isolated amounts six inches or more as we make our way through Thursday. Snowfall generally anywhere from three to five feet at some of those mountain passes. But uh, as we make our way further to the east, it's only going to be one about one to three inches or so. Rain and snow, a little bit of a a clipper coming down from the Great Lakes, bringing some activity there for the Ohio River Valley and out west. Record highs will continue. We're going to look at those in more detail coming up in the next half hour. And that is your latest weather, guys. All right, Al, thank you. Uh, Still ahead, convicted killer Alec Murdoch denied a new trial, but not before a dramatic testimony uh, tied to his claims of jury tampering. NBC Sam Brock's at the courthouse for us. Hey, Sam. Yeah, Hoda, good morning. That's right. One of the jurors said her vote was influenced by the clerk of court, Becky Hill, and chaos ensued. Why the judge decided ultimately not to grant a new trial and her choice words for Hill. Coming up next. All right, Sam, we'll get back to you. Also ahead with 12 days to go. Excitement is building for Super Bowl 58, first ever in Las Vegas. We've got an inside look at how fans of football and, yes, Taylor are gearing up for what could be the most expensive game Mm. ever. But first, this is today on NBC. Wow. How about if we make a deal? When you get your medal, since you didn't get your ceremony, how about if we do a ceremony here? <gasps> yeah! Did you love that on the plaza? Yes! And by the way, you get millions of people watching. You may actually be even more than you people would have been. will be awake. They'll be awake. <laughs> you're right. You're right. All right. So it's we'll a promise. That. We'll shake on that. We will see you with your medals as soon as you get them. We'll be out on the plaza, okay?
Oh. Okay, mm-hmm. invitation still stands. Mm-hmm. That was last summer. The U.S. figure skating team was joining us to talk about what it was like to have to wait for the medals that they earned during the 2022 Beijing Olympics because of a Russian skater's doping scandal. Yeah, that skater was handed a four-year ban. So the gold goes to the Americans. <laughs> Team USA confirmed it right there in a tweet overnight. It also means Nathan Chen, who also won the men's event, becomes the first U.S. figure skater to win two gold medals at a single game. And guess what? Nathan's coming here live tomorrow. Oh, See how everything works, yes. and maybe with his teammates too, because yeah. we promised them a and ceremony. And we do. We're going out on the plot. We are. We're, we're going big. We're, we're playing the music. Thing. The whole thing. Yeah. Promise uh, made. Promise kept. Yes. Meanwhile, we got a busy half hour ahead. We'll start this morning in South Carolina, and Alec Murdoch's push for a new trial. His alleged jury tampering by the clerk of court led to his conviction in the killings of his wife and son, but. After a day of testimony, the judge denied his request for a retrial. NBC's Sam Brock was in that courtroom. There were a fair amount of fireworks as well. Sam joins us once again from Columbia, South Carolina. Sam, good morning. Yeah, correct, guys. Good morning. No shortage of drama yesterday, certainly. So the judge in this case said that the clerk at the heart of the tampering allegations was not a credible witness and tore apart her testimony on the stand. In fact, Becky Hill's story was contradicted by jurors, friends, even her own emails. But ultimately, guys, the judge decided it would not have changed the outcome of this trial, and she denied a retrial. Did clerk of court Hill's comments have any impact on the verdict of the jury? I find that the answer to this question is no. The most sensational trial in South Carolina history has finally been put to bed, at least for now. Monday's dramatic ruling and rejection of Alec Murdoch's motion for a retrial following his double murder conviction for the killing of his wife and youngest son featured a host of twists, turns, and contradictions on the stand for clerk of court Becky Hill. I did not have a conversation with any juror about anything related to this case. Was your verdict on March the 2nd, 2023, in any way, with any, uh, influenced in any way with any communications by the clerk of court, Becky Hill, in this case? Yes, ma'am. And how was it influenced? To me, it felt like she made it seem like he was already guilty. That bombshell coming from a woman named Juror Z, though she was the only one of 12 jurors to say Hill actually influenced her vote. And even then, her sworn affidavit from August said, I had questions about Mr. Murdoch's guilt, but voted guilty because I felt pressured by the other jurors, making no mention of Hill, who was currently under investigation by the state for alleged interactions with the jury and using her office for personal gain. It's possible that she may have broken jury tampering laws, but far more likely she violated her known duty to not interfere with the deliberations of the jurors. The proceedings also highlighted Hill's book, Behind the Doors of Justice, which also proved a tale of two stories. How much money did you make off that book? Roughly around 100000 Guilty would sell more books. She said we, we might want to write a book because she needed a lake house and I needed to retire. And uh, then further conversations, a guilty verdict would sell more books. In the end, the judge concluding that Hill didn't change the outcome, but did cross a line. I find that the clerk of court is not completely credible as a witness. Ms. Hill was attracted by the siren call of celebrity. 
So, uh, Sam uh, Murdoch's legal team, who we just saw there in your story, Dick Carpooli and Jim Griffin, they said they plan to appeal. Any idea what, what the next steps could be here, what their strategy might be? Sure. So the Murdoch legal team, Craig, says they're appealing right away to the Court of Appeals and perhaps the state Supreme Court. If that does not work, they'll go to the federal courts. That could take a matter of years, Craig. But they do say they feel vindicated by the fact that Becky Hill was shown to be acting improperly. But this could be an uphill battle because the judge said that she read every single word of that six week long murder trial transcript. And she herself concluded the jury came to the right verdict. Craig, back to you. Sam Brock, once again, for us there in South Carolina. Sam, thank you. All right. Still ahead, gripping new testimony and video at the unprecedented trial of a Michigan mother charged in her son's school shooting. What the jurors were shown for the first time and how she reacted. But first, let the hype mm-hmm. begin. I think it's already begun. Oh, yeah. Super Bowl fever shifting into high gear now. Kaylee Hartung all over it for us. Hi, Kaylee. Hey, guys, it has absolutely begun. And at the intersection of sports and Swifties, we have got a perfect storm brewing for the first ever Super Bowl hosted in Las Vegas. The average price of a ticket, the most expensive in history. So as we count down to kickoff, we will tell you how rare the stakes are as the defending champs try to repeat. Stay with us. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is Constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we are back, 739, kicking off our countdown to the Super Bowl. Let's go, let's go. The big game between Kansas City and San Fran, the first ever in Vegas, by the way. Still 12 days away, but the excitement, man, it's kicking into high gear. We are pumped. NBC's <laughs> Kaylee Hartung joins us now. Hi, Kaylee. Hey, guys. Good morning. So whether you're a lifelong Chiefs or Niners fan, a football fanatic, or just here for the halftime show and commercials, the Super Bowl has something for everyone. And now with Swifties getting in gear for the big game, it's safe to say the pop culture relevance of this year's Super Bowl is reaching new heights. With 12 days to go until the Chiefs and 49ers face off for the Lombardi Trophy, Super Bowl 58 is poised to be unlike any other. Chief star Travis Kelsey's cheering section is ready for it. 
girlfriend Taylor Swift sporting some new championship swag, keeping the celebration going with friends and family after Kansas City's big win over the Ravens Sunday. Chiefs Kingdom getting a massive wave of support from the singer's legion of devoted fans, who are now calling the Super Bowl the Swifty Bowl and planning Taylor-sized watch parties. This is the Taylor Swift effect! The league is getting a boost, too. Taylor Swift brings an entire army of Swifties with her wherever she goes. So in the case of the Super Bowl and the NFL, that translates to dollars when it comes to ratings, merchandise, and advertising. From Kansas City to Green Bay, Buffalo and Baltimore, Swift has been a fixture at Chiefs games since September. Fans expect her to be in Las Vegas to support Kelsey at the biggest game of the season. The Chiefs have won nine of the 12 games she's attended. Will this be Swift's lucky number 13? The defending Super Bowl champs are not currently the favorites. Oddsmakers now betting San Francisco will win by one point, a chance to avenge their Super Bowl 54 loss to the Chiefs four years ago. With new weapons, quarterback Brock Purdy and all-pro running back Christian McCaffrey are looking to bring the trophy back to the Bay Area for the first time since 1995. Sin City is no stranger to high prices and high rollers, and this year's big game is drawing big spenders. Just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, Allegiant Stadium will host its first Super Bowl, where the average price of a ticket is the most expensive in history. The most luxe experience, costing almost 30 grand. And even if you just want to be near the action, hotels and flights are going for more than double the typical rate. Big excitement from fans of all types for the biggest game of the season. Those numbers are wild. So guys, let's put this into context. We're watching a very special era unfold for the Chiefs. This is their fourth trip to the Super Bowl in five years. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey could win a third ring in that span. This is rare air. The Patriots are the only team in NFL history to have accomplished such a feat as Tom Brady capped off his legacy in New England. So the question is being asked, are we watching the next dynasty in the making? I 12 think, days, guys. I think Countdown Craig can time. answer that question about I, the I next mean, dynasty I, I don't in the think making. I don't think it's a real question. <laughs> I know. We have to get to a fifth to I, make I, it an era. I, I it's an era. I think we're watching a dynasty that's already yeah. been created. Uh-huh. You got three votes for yes, Kaylee. Yes. Thank you, Kaylee. Um, it really is phenomenal, though, when you yeah. think about what the Chiefs have done. Oh, yeah. And he's so young. How old is Mahomes? He's not even 30 yet. Not even 30. He's not even 30? No. Wow. Oh, All right. Six seasons could be three Super Bowls. All right. It's so is it an era or is it eras? This oh. is the, this is their Super Bowl era. Eras. Oh no. Oh. Uh, oh. You see Did you just make a Swift joke? This whole thing has this been. This whole a Swift thing joke. has been. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. You, I thought you were on the joke. joke. Just kind yeah. of a you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, Swifties, I'm not making a joke about Taylor Swift. <laughs> love Taylor Swift, so don't come after don't me. Surprise. Please, no. Uh-uh. Anyway, we got the jet stream way up to the north, big dome of high pressure, and that means we are looking at plenty of warm air. I mean, above some records possible. Billings, you're going to be at 65 degrees today. Denver, 64. Las Vegas, 71. Kansas City, 48. Nine degrees above average. Tomorrow, that moves to the east. Chicago, mid-40s. That's 13 degrees warmer than usual. Oklahoma City, you're going to be at 70. Denver, 64. Again, 20 degrees warmer. Warmer. But then as we head toward the weekend, we come back to normal. In Chicago, you'll be 42 by Friday, mid-40s to low-40s into the weekend for New York City, mid-50s, Roanoke, Nashville. You're staying fairly mild, nice in temperature, a nice temperature of 61 degrees by Saturday. Is there some place Craig can learn more about the I just, I got, I, I just right here on the set. We just what era are you right. in? 
Uh, I'm in the paleon, <laughs> paleo era. You're in your weather era. Yes, yes you are. Yes, yes, yes you are. Okay. All right, guys, still ahead, both King Charles and Princess Kate out of the hospital after their surgeries. We'll have details on their recoveries in a live report from Here Buckingham Palace. And we will also have your morning boost coming up after this. <laughs> All right, Carson's here just in time. The roads to recovery for King Charles and Princess Kate this yeah, morning. They were both released from the hospital yesterday after undergoing planned procedures. NBC's Molly Hunter is at Buckingham Palace for us now. Molly, good morning. Carson, good morning. That's right. Both released from the hospital. That is the good news. Not a lot of new details, though, from Kensington Palace about Kate's condition. We did not see the Princess of Wales yesterday. We may not see her for months. This morning, two royals back at home. After three nights in the hospital, King Charles walked out the front door, waving to the crowds, Queen Camilla by his side, as the 75-year-old monarch left the London Clinic Monday after routine prostate treatment. Meanwhile, daughter-in-law Kate, the Princess of Wales, spent 13 nights in the same hospital, discharged privately yesterday. Kensington Palace says she'll continue to recover back home in Windsor, and she is making good progress. The announcement about the King's surgery and the Princess of Wales surgery came on the same day. Two weeks later, um, the departure is probably a bit of a mixture of coincidence and strategy. The King was able to take some of the focus and attention away from the Princess of Wales. Kensington Palace still staying mum about Kate's health condition and her planned abdominal surgery and said earlier she would remain out of the public eye until after Easter. Charles will also take time for private recuperation, which leaves Prince William shouldering the brunt of upcoming royal appearances. From William's point of view, he is trying to show the world that, yes, he's a working royal and a future king, but he's also a father and a husband. Kate and William had a packed few months ahead, including February's glamorous British Film Awards. The 42-year-old has stunned the red carpet year after year, and the pair were also likely to travel internationally this spring, but Kensington Palace has said that's out of the question. And in early March, the Commonwealth Day service was always a chance to see the family and one of Britain's most popular royals. Now, in the statements from Buckingham Palace and Kensington Palace, both Kate and Charles thank the hospital staff and nurses, both now laying low. And as we mentioned, as Kate continues her recovery, you guys will start to see a lot more of Prince William likely on his own. I'll send it back to you guys. All right, Molly, thanks so much for that. Appreciate it. Coming up, we are ready to meet the new Mr. and Mrs. Smith. The stars of the highly anticipated new Spice series are here. They're going to join us live in Studio 1A. Shrinkage chair. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe Right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. 